In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is the Gospel that we just heard from Luke chapter 14 has a parallel passage. Christ tells the similar parable and or the same parable in Matthew chapter 22 and in Matthew's gospel it's not just a banquet it's a wedding feast it's a wedding feast so in the commentary that I found from Saint Nikolai of Zicha he's talking very much about the wedding feast he's commenting on Matthew's parable Saint Nikolai says that God desires that a man believe in him more than anyone or anything else in the world. And God desires that a man hope in him more than anyone or anything else in the world. And more than this, God desires that a man by his love cleave solely to God. And then he will, through the love that radiates from this, easily be one with God's creation. And this is man's unity with God. This is the soul's espousal to Christ. All else is adultery and promiscuity. Only such a close union between the soul and Christ that is most clearly mirrored for us in earthly marriage can make the soul rich and fruitful, says St. Nikolai. He goes on, The soul's ardent love for God is alone its legal marriage. The soul's ardent love for God is alone its legal marriage. Every other love, not through God, but apart from God or against God, is idolatry. Thus, by love for the body, a man makes the body a false god, an idol. By love for earthly possessions or adornment, a man makes an idol of them. By love for anyone or anything, more than God, a man makes idols for himself. And this means that a man directs the love that belongs exclusively to God to something less than God, to something less worthy of love. Whatever a man believes in, hopes in, or loves more than God, takes God's place and becomes an idol to that man, a false God to a false soul. The prophets called all such idolatry, adultery, and harlotry. A man becomes one with that to which his love relates. If God, then God. If dust, then dust. A man is saved or lost by his love in this life. And we know that from Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the sheep and the goats. St. Nikolai goes on to say, There is only one saving love, and that is love for God. Every other love without love for God is loss. There is only one legal and saving marriage for the soul, and that is its marriage to God. Every other marriage that does not come forth from this marriage, as rays come forth from the sun, is cursing and damnation. And today's gospel gives the clearest possible picture of this wonderful mystery, how a man's soul is as a faithful bride crowned in marriage with God.
And so we have to really think about, we always have to think about where our priorities are with where we give our love and our attention. And we love that which we think about all the time. And we love that which we fixate on. And so if we say that we love God and yet we never think about Him, if we say that we love God and we never show up when He tells us to show up, if we say that we love God and we ignore the person in need right in front of us, then our love is probably not as full as we think. There's probably something else that we love more. If you really want to do a litmus test of your love for God, check your calendar and check your pocketbook. Those are the first two places to start to see how much you actually love God. Because you will love God with your money and with your feet. With where you go and where you spend your time. You want to see what you love the most? Check your calendar. See where you spend the most time. See where you spend most of your free time. But God calls us to union with Him. He calls us to be His bride. During Holy Week, we have services called Bridegroom Matins because Christ very clearly identifies Himself as the bridegroom who comes in the middle of the night. He tells the, the parable of the Ten virgins, five foolish, five wise. They're waiting for the bridegroom. And they hear the cry, Behold, the bridegroom comes. And five have their oil in their lamps, which the church sees as works of mercy, and five don't have any oil in their lamps. But Christ very clearly identifies Himself as the bridegroom of the church. St. Paul talks about marriage. And when he talks about husbands and wives, husbands loving wives and wives respecting husbands, St. Paul says, I speak about Christ and the church. This is a great mystery, but I speak about Christ and the church. Christ is very clearly the bridegroom of the church. And if he's the bridegroom, who's the bride? Us. What's interesting, just this past week during my liturgy class, I was talking about marriage and how the church is an image of marriage. And when you come to church, we have a wedding party set up every single time. So, I'll say it again. When you come, what you see here on the iconostasis is a wedding party. You have Christ the Bridegroom. You have Mary, the maid of honor. You have John, the best man, right? And you have the rest of the wedding party. At every church, it's going to be slightly different. The archangels, the deacons, the other saints, who, whatever it is. But you always have the bridegroom and the maid of honor. Always. So if Christ is the bridegroom and Mary isn't the, the bride, if she's the maid of honor, who's the bride? We are. We are. So where does the marriage take place when you come forward for Holy Communion? What is marriage except for the uniting of two people? 
to become one. What is our reception of Holy Communion except an intimate union, common union, communion, an intimate common union with God Himself? This is the marriage of the soul to the soul's bridegroom, Christ. This is a beautiful thing. How many of you on your wedding day rush out the door, don't prepare for the wedding, don't put on your wedding clothes, and show up 45 minutes late? Nobody. Everybody prepares for the wedding. Everybody looks forward to it. Every single week, Christ calls us to the wedding, to the marriage of us to Him. And yet, it happens so often, we take it for granted. It happens so often, we don't come as prepared as we should be. St. Paul writes to the Corinthians, I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. And St. Nikolai of Zetra says, the virginal immaculateness, the spotlessness, the purity of the soul is its first and basic clothing. The purity of the soul is its first and basic clothing. And Matthew chapter 22, this parable of the great banquet has a second part that Luke doesn't include. And that second part is that inside the feast, the master of the feast finds somebody without the proper garment for the wedding. And he casts them out. St. Nikolai says, Purity of soul is our wedding garment. It is the first of our wedding garments. St. Paul also says to the Colossians, Put on mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, and above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Earlier in that chapter, from the epistle that we just heard, we hear St. Paul say, Put to death what is earthly in you, fornication and impurity, passion and evil desire. So you want purity of soul? Put away fornication, passion, impurity, and evil desire. And of course, the greatest perfection of purity of soul. The greatest perfection of purity of soul was of all earthly beings shown by the most pure and most holy virgin, the mother of God, who from her body gave body to our Lord and Savior. And none of us can carry Christ in his heart, none of us can carry Christ in our hearts without great purity of heart. Without an undivided heart. Given wholly and completely to Christ. As a husband is to a wife that he cherishes. As a chaste virgin has only one love, love for her betrothed, so a man's soul that understands the path of salvation has only one love, love for the Lord, says St. Nikolai. And this, this purity of soul, this betrothal to God, 
shown by the Theotokos brings us to a reflection on the ninth ode of the Nativity Canon. The last couple weeks I've reflected on the Nativity Canon, different parts of it. I'm going to skip ahead to the ninth ode. The ninth ode, the beautiful hymn. Beautiful, beautiful hymn. We just heard it a few minutes ago. O my soul, magnify her who is more honorable and who is more glorious than the heavenly hosts. I behold a strange, most glorious mystery. Heaven is the cave. The virgin is the cherubic throne. The manger is the place where Christ lay, the infinite God whom we praise and magnify in song. God is always enthroned on the cherubim, the angels closest to him. And yet, because of her purity of soul, the Lord becomes enthroned in the womb of the virgin. She is made more honorable than the cherubim and more glorious beyond compare than the seraphim. And our hearts become the throne of God when we purify them through repentance. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, our Lord says in the Sermon on the Mount. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall receive God, is what the Theotokos tells us. We have to pursue this life of purity. And we have to step up to this mystery of this incarnation. I behold a strange and most glorious mystery that Christ, that the uncreated, infinite, uncontainable God takes flesh in the virgin's womb. This is the good news. This is the gospel of our salvation. And we step up to the mystery and we praise it. And we glorify it and we end where we start. Christ is born, glorify Him. Christ takes flesh from the virgin, give Him praise. The infinite, uncontainable God, who takes flesh from the virgin, will be wedded to our soul if we put on the garment of purity. And if we pursue this purity and do everything we can to keep our wedding garment pure and undefiled, without excuses like those that we heard in the Gospel reading. I have land, I have to go see it. I have a camper, I have to go use it. I've got fun to have, I can't come. I've got a party to plan, the Super Bowl is later. And I've got to get my chips and salsa ready. God doesn't need our excuses. He needs our full and undivided love. When we pursue God with this oneness, and when we repent to purify our heart with this singular focus to become the receptacle of the living God, then He will come and make His abode in us. Brothers and sisters, the wedding is ready. The bridegroom waits for His beloved. He just wants His beloved to clean the wedding garment and to come forward with faith and love. 
As St. John Chrysostom says in his Paschal homily, the table is full laden, come feast sumptuously. And what would you possibly want to feast on other than the bread of life? This is our great call. This is our great invitation. We are all called, but few will be chosen. And it's not the Lord who will reject us. We will reject Him. Brothers and sisters, we must, we must make union with God the most important thing in our life. If it's not right now, then reprioritize and reorient and repent and make it so. It's never too late to make God our first priority and our ultimate love in our life. So after reflecting all this, brothers and sisters, when we hear the ninth ode of the canon, the beautiful hymn, Oh, my soul, magnify her. When we hear this hymn, let us behold and acknowledge and revere the mystery of Christ's incarnation. Let us do so with humility. Let us give thanks to the Theotokos for uniting her soul to God in spiritual wedlock and thereby enabling her to give body, to give flesh, to Christ and the mystery of His loving condescension and incarnation. And then let us resolve to follow the lead of the Virgin Mary. Let us give our minds and our bodies to God fully and completely, seeking purity of soul so that ultimately our souls and our hearts will become one with God through the marriage of our ardent unrelenting desire for God and His bountiful and unending divine love for us. To Christ our God, the Heavenly Bridegroom, be all glory, honor, and worship together with the Father and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Christ is in our midst.